Hey, you're listening to Policing Matters on PoliceOne.com. I am your host, Jim Dudley. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Hey, recently, New Hampshire police chiefs came together to make a plea to lawmakers as departments continue to be plagued by staffing shortages. It's happening everywhere, right? The chiefs, the House Criminal Justice and Public Safety Committee met and they required fitness tests in, and they said that making the fitness tests are making it difficult to get enough qualified recruits. So their answer is, uh, in order for them to hire and retain office, uh, they're asking the New Hampshire uh, Criminal Justice and Public Safety Committee to eliminate the test for law enforcement officers, eliminate the physical fitness test. And, you know, I talked about this issue offline you know, a few weeks ago when I uh, interviewed uh, Director Tracy Toffner uh, and uh, Ben Bliven from Wisconsin uh, State about physical fitness and well-being and wellness and really good stuff for law enforcement officers there. And uh, Tracy agreed to come back on the show in light of this announcement to give her thoughts on what we should be doing. Should we just eliminate testing altogether, or should we be thinking about something else? And Tracy Toffiner is Director of Industrial Medicine and Wellness with Advanced Physical Therapy and Sports Medicine. She's worked with law enforcement, fire, and EMS agencies since 2010. She's also a veteran of the Wisconsin, Wisconsin Army National Guard. Hey, thanks for your service, and welcome to the show. Welcome back, Tracy. Thank you, Jim. I'm very excited about this topic and looking forward to our discussion today. So thanks for having me. Yeah, me too. Hey, you spoke on our program about something that you talked about at the 2022 IACP conference about making officers healthier and stronger. Uh, Weightlifting, uh, you emphasize. And while preparing for the interview, we did a while back, we talked about this. And I want to hear what is your position on this move, and and actually, New Hampshire is not the only one. I heard of another uh, region where they are looking to eliminate the fitness test altogether. What's your take on that? Well, it's a heavy subject for sure. I think we need to go back and think about the purpose of a police officer and public safety. And it's not just their lives or their comrades' lives that's depending on them to be fit and well, it's also the community. And so these standards were established for a particular reason, each state for their own reason why their standards are what they are. But I think that we could consider looking at this from a different lens. Well, we've seen through recent events, especially where there's newer officers involved, perhaps not coordinating their tactics when they're taking on individuals who may be resisting, they use brute force in some situations. They use these sort of, you know, um, non-rehearsed <laughs> maneuvers that uh, go against training. Um, and we're looking at uh, grappling and controlling techniques. And some of these ad lib movements have led to terrible outcomes, injuries, or even worse. How can we do better? So my position as an athletic trainer and strength and conditioning specialist in this space, I think health and fitness needs to be a priority for a lot of different reasons. Um, it's, it's quite interesting that question particularly is coming through in an agency that I work very close with. Um, I had an officer come in and we were talking about the recent news um, that we saw. And there's definitely something to say about an officer that feels physically prepared to maybe detain somebody um, than maybe a less 
physically prepared officer. Now, certainly training um, and different types of procedures come into play a lot heavier, um, but the physical strength, which is very important to me, um, I think plays a huge role when it comes to kind of looking at that person across you and saying, I can handle him or, oh, I can't handle him. I do have my own uh, suspicions and theories that the use of force could potentially be escalated quicker if someone does not feel like they can outmatch their opponent across from them. And so bringing it back into a, a department's safety and wellness program, I think is really crucial. What are the key aspects of fitness and conditioning and strength that your department is actually doing for your officers, whether that's something mandatory, whether it's something punitive or non-punitive, there's certainly a lot of different ways to go about it. Um, but I think fitness testing, especially in that early academy phase, is really important for us to make sure that we're getting officers that are physically able to do the essential functions of the job. Mm -hmm. And I, I get that we're having trouble recruiting, but shouldn't we have some minimal standards to prevent injuries from things like repetitive motion or sitting for long periods of times only to have to resort to some explosive movements like jumping out of a car and, and chasing someone down? I think I said this in our offline conversation that we had um, a, a couple weeks ago with Chief Bliven from Wassa um, Police Department, but I always look at uh, a police officer like an outfielder in baseball, right? You're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, and boom, here comes that ball, and you got to run, 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 and you got to sprint, 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 you got to pick it up, and you got to do things with it, right? That's really what it looks like um, from my perspective, a, a police officer. Now, I've never been an officer of the law, but being around officers for the last 13 years, I've learned a thing or two about how they have to and condition and strengthen their body to be ready to go out and, you know, take care of that perpetrator or, or, you know, help that person save a life, whatever it may particularly be as part of their duties. I almost wonder if we're looking at it from the wrong way. Originally, when health and fitness standards were set up for most law enforcement agencies, it was based on military standards. And more recently, the military has actually changed their testing and gotten away from male, female, and push-ups and sit-ups and two miles run. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, we tend to, in um, you know, agencies and law enforcement and on the fire side, we tend to adopt whatever the military is doing. As the military transitions their program into something more functional and job specific, I think that is the direction that maybe agencies and academies need to consider. I had to um, smile or just laugh a little bit when I saw the standards for New Hampshire. I mean, these are old standards. And I first thought that came to my head, Jim, was when's the last time somebody looked at it? When was it last certified and validated that these are actually the essential functions of an officer of the law? And I would be curious and not surprised if they hadn't been looked at for a long time. I'm working very closely with two states right now on their testing programs, and that's what I'm finding. The last time someone looked at it was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Not only are we doing a disservice to recruits that are potentially coming into our space, but we're also leaving ourselves very legally open for interpretation of those standards. Um, and I think decreasing legal risk should be a priority, of course, for any agency or academy that's looking at implementing these standards. I think another perspective of this is right now, in the police world, there's two things that are going on that testing really needs to be cautious about. 
The first is the 30 by 30 initiative. And I'm sure your listeners are aware of that. We're trying to increase women in policing by 30% by the year um, 2030. And currently what I'm finding um, is some standards are actually kind of screening out the female candidates um, because they're, again, haven't been looked at in a long time. The last time they were likely set, it was probably predominantly males that were in the the academy or in the um, peace officer world. The other aspect that I think we need to consider is the the transgender community. And I think that that community particularly is becoming um, more interested in law enforcement or they're already existing in it. And one of the questions I always ask is if you have a standard that is male, female specific, at what point is your policy indicating for a male or a female that may be going through their transition? Which standards are they allowed to participate in? I had a conversation with an agency very recently that said, well, whichever standard they pick. Well, I mean, as a female, I think that's completely unfair Mm. um, that we should have standards that we just get to pick whichever one we want to do. Um, I think if those standards are set to not be age sex specific, that could be really beneficial to the agency to bringing in the best possible pool of candidates, um, but also at the same point, not discriminating or even favoring a particular, you know, sex um, at that particular time. And we talk a little bit about gender disparity and now the the, um, transitioning applicant. Why do we have three requirements at all. Why don't we have one standard? And I'm not saying lower it, but one standard across the board that anybody walks through the door has to do 15 sit-ups, 20 push-ups, run 150 feet dragging a dummy or whatever we end up with. Why don't we do the same for everyone? You know, that's a, a very interesting question and a good one. It's one that I've been asking for the past 10 years when I've really been involved in the testing world. You know, I'd hate to compare police officers to firefighters, but one of the things that the firefighter community has well is they have their CPAP set up. No matter what age, what gender, what department you are working at, um, you all go through, or firefighters all go through the same standard. You know, they're crawling, they're climbing, they're uh, raising a ladder, they're using a pipe pole, they're doing a dummy drag, they're climbing stairs. I mean, very job specific type tasks. I would be much in favor of seeing the law enforcement community move that direction. Now, I know there is quite a bit of fear when that conversation comes up about current peace officers and what types of um, opportunities, you know, are we going to apply to current ones or is it just going to be from this point coming in and everybody's grandfathered? You know, I don't think I can really comment on those particular aspects, but from the test design and from a safety perspective, I think applicant testing pre and post is very important. Um, pre because it gives us an opportunity to evaluate the quality of the academy out there. I mean, there's 800 plus academies across the United States and all of them run things differently. All of them have different standards depending on the state that they're in or depending what level that they're at. I would love to see some unitedness on the testing front um, so that we can all agree that these are exactly what is expected of officers of the law that are serving our communities. I think another piece of this, when I um, I think about it, is the really the opportunity um, to reduce injuries, and that's a huge one that comes from the testing world. 
I'd love to say that everybody could do this, but even in the military, there has to be a standard to ensure that someone is actually physically capable and strong enough to do the essential functions of their job. And so do those pre-academy and post-academy standards need to be the same that an agency is going to set after academy? Not necessarily. I think that we need to take the opportunity to test them in the beginning, train them and prepare them in academy to meet this exit standard um, that is very realistic to the job that they are um, doing. And, and I'm sorry about the announcements on the background. So yeah, totally. For our listeners, I, I want to thank Tracy so much for she's she's traveling, she's on a flight and she stopped at the airport to talk because this is such a timely issue. And again, it's not just New Hampshire, it's other departments. And, you know, we talk about the recruitment failures and what can we do to get everybody on board. I've had to work with my own human resources who said, hey, we're going to lower the standard to the point where it's not even the state standard for academy graduation, but we are going to throw it on your shoulders in 30 weeks to get people up and ready to jump a six foot wall and run a mile and a half in 12 minutes and things like that. But then it takes away from some of the other things we're trying to train into them. Um, if you were to go to a, an agency where they had one of these 40-year-old um, physical fitness uh, entry exams, what would you be looking at to see that it was really relevant as opposed to, hey, we've always done it this way for the past 40 years? So what that process looks like um, when you're looking to revalidate or recertify your test is it starts with a job analysis, interviewing current officers, taking a look at some of the more recent uh, or frequent types of calls that you're on to establish what some functions could look like. Maybe even taking a tour around the city to see what your current environment looks like. Those are really important aspects to gather accurate data. Then at that point, we start measuring that data. So what is it that we're pushing and pulling and lifting and carrying? Um, my specialty is in content validity. So I try to design testing around actual essential tasks where some, some other types of testing, which are both legal in the United States, is construct and criterion, excuse me, validity. Um, and some of those, they use heart rates and VO2 maxes to simulate job tasks that are more job related. And so if you, you take all of your information and gather it, at that point in time, we're going to start to design a test. Now, our process isn't over yet. Once we've completed a test design, we need to certify that test and make sure that it's accurate. And that happens by testing incumbent employees and asking them and certifying over and over again that we've got a test that is mimicking or closely replicating the job demands that they are currently performing. This process can be small for a small agency and big for a big agency. I think the other piece of this is looking at their current test and asking where and how it was designed. When was it last looked at? Right now, the industry standard is every two years that test should be recertified. So if there's any listeners out there and your test hasn't been looked at in two years, I would call HR, I would call whoever your testing agent is and ask them to recertify it for you. Ask them to produce your validation documents. These are legal pieces that you're going to need if you go into an arbitration or, or potentially a higher case manager case, case where your test may, may be challenged. And you want to make sure you have those documents in hand 
when you go um, into um, that legal situation. Yeah, just no, speaking that's, from experience. So no, that's that's totally valid uh, advice, and I could think of um, you know one of our tests was to dry fire a um, a revolver. I think it was fifteen times was was one of the. And we don't have revolvers anymore. Number one and number two, <laughs> I'm not sure we want somebody firing fifteen times in a row anymore uh, at a rapid pace. So. Uh, yeah, it makes total sense to be more relevant, to be more relevant to the job. But I keep thinking, and, and you know, when the Police One survey came out, my editor, Nancy Perry, asked, should we do away with fitness um, entry level? And I think 90-something percent said, no way we can't eliminate it. And I just think of all the things, the potential hazards, not only of officers' injuries, uh, prolonging a fight, uh, more susceptible injury to the officer and the offender, more likely to pull out a weapon, an intermediate weapon, pepper spray, baton, taser, maybe even up to a firearm. And so, you know, I'm wondering, you know, respectfully to those chiefs, did they get someone like you to talk about this I've been in a in a situation where in administration of 1900 officers in the San Francisco PD we had almost 100 officers who were on some sort of disability at some given time and then are we going to retire out some of these disabled officers because they can't go to work and then we're spending more money and time to recruit replacements for them you know what would be your advice to a panel of chiefs saying Hey, let's, we need to get rid of this testing to get more people in. Well, I think I have two comments on your previous part first. I think another aspect of this we need to consider is the community. What does the community think about us taking away standards from officers that are expected to serve us? And then the other aspect of the work, um, excuse me, the workers comp or the injury I mean, that's costly. That's taxpayer dollars, right? And that's dollars that if we're spending it on, injuries that maybe could have been alleviated had we screened somebody to see if they were fit enough to do the job before they started. Or again, we had, I'm just speaking off the cuff here, a standard maybe that was done annually or every, I mean, like New Hampshire every three years that accurately represented the essential functions of the job. Um, if we're doing that, the thought is, the thought or the theory is, and, and I've worked with agencies, I've done this, so I know that it works. The culture changes, right? When you can start to have strength and conditioning and fitness culture really be a priority in that agency. I mean, that's dollars we're saving for salaries, for training, for better equipment. Um, and so taking this, this matter lightly, um, I would not recommend. To answer your question as far as recommendations for chiefs that are considering it, at the end of the day, you have to do what's best for your community and your officers and your agency. I would ask them to consider looking at their test. Is it accurate? Is it validated in the last two years? And if it's not, consider starting there first. I think one of the comments I saw on the article online was a remediation program. Absolutely, there should be a remediation program for any agency that has an annual fit for duty test um, as part of their policy. And what that remediation purpose is, is to truly strengthen and condition those officers that maybe need a little bit of help. 
All of us fall off the wagon at some point in time, whether we're out for extended leave because of an FMLA situation, maybe we just had a baby, you know, maybe, you know, we had a knee replacement that needed to be taken care of. I mean, fitness and conditioning these people and giving them time and resources, key thing is resources here to be able to determine whether or not they can safely be an officer yet, um, I think is really important. And so let's let's maybe slow it down a little bit before we just X-ray a test that really does serve a purpose when it comes to injury prevention and having a culture that's focused on strength and wellness and fitness. Yeah. Wise words from a, a great authority. I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your full travel day from Wisconsin to California and three hours time difference. Thanks, uh, Tracy Toffiner. Are we, are you writing anything these days? Any articles coming out from you? Well, I just submitted an article to IACP on return to work testing, and I'm actually en route to Australia to speak at the International Physical Employment Standards Conference on um, return to work testing for officers. That's a, a whole nother area that we should talk about sometime. Agencies should really be considering to, again, ensure safety of someone when they're coming back from those extended leave situations we just talked about. Yeah, so thank great. you again for having me, Jim. This has been a pleasure. Yeah, always a pleasure talking with you. Tracy Toffiner, Director of Industrial Medicine and Wellness with Advanced Physical Therapy and Sports Medicine. And thanks again for your work in the Wisconsin Army National Guard. Thank you. All right, to our listeners, hey, it's timely. Um, maybe you could sneak this podcast under the uh, the 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 a blotter of your chief or your your human resources director, somebody to think about this. Think about uh, Tracy's great advice before we throw the baby out with the bathwater and stop testing altogether. I think those are wise words from someone with really good knowledge on the topic. All right. Hope everyone's well. And thanks for listening. Hope to get, I hope again to talk to you real soon. If you're interested to drop me a line, it's policing matters at police one.com policing matters at police one.com. All right. Stay safe. Talk to you soon.